0: this sermon series that we've been preaching on biblical foundations. We had started out with uh, the fact that all have sinned, and we here in the last few weeks have been preaching on the subject of salvation, and uh, the God of whosoever, how salvation is available to all, and whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and what does salvation mean we've been looking at some specifics we've talked about justification Christ as our propitiation of sin we've also talked uh, last wednesday in regards to redemption what does what do these things mean and what does it signify in our lives and so we've been looking at these various things in regards to salvation and so we are going tonight we're going to transition here into another fundamental truth another a uh, biblical foundation, a doctrine of the scripture. We're going to look here at this. And, and as I have said from the beginning of starting the sermon series was the fact that uh, some of the things that we will cover and preach on, this is not in any way to seem like it's being demeaning, to seem as if it's coming across that you don't know anything. I, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, However, we have been continuing to reiterate the fact uh, of the importance of not only knowing what we believe, but why we believe it, especially in a time it seems that confusion abounds uh, greater than it ever has before. Uh, We are inundated. You've heard me say over the course of these Wednesday nights, we are inundated in America. There's gospel all around us, and uh, as a result of that... Uh, We have it on all kinds of platforms, social media platforms, television, radio. We've got literature. We've got bookstores. We've got, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere here in America. Our ignorance of Scripture is not because we're lacking access to the gospel. It's all around us. However, it is uh, how that is being, (coughs) excuse me, pursued, how it's being taught. Uh, what we're listening to, who we're listening to, uh, these types of things. And we're finding as to where more and more uh, we are in a place in a position to where there's much compromise uh, that is going on, uh, a watering down of the truth of the gospel so that it fits uh, what we like. It fits the culture. It fits society and, and its thoughts and its opinions and things of that nature. And uh, so, we are looking at these truths, and we are going back, you've heard me say this, and I'll continue to say it, we're going back to the basics, we're going back to the Bible, and uh, we are looking on some things, and I hope and pray that as we get into the Word of God and we break the bread of life together, that there are some things that maybe you can walk away from saying, you know, I haven't quite heard it like that, or "I, I didn't quite know that, Because there are some things, and some of the things that we're going to be looking at, uh, there are some things that we have garnered our understanding of it, not necessarily because we have heard teaching on it, but it has been derived, our opinions have been derived from other opinions. Our thoughts on certain things have been derived upon a consensus of things that people have said. And that's not necessarily wrong or bad as long as the consensus of people is telling the truth. And as long as it lines up with what God says. As I was stating before and I'll say again is the fact that uh, you might say, well, Paul told me this, or Granny said this, or Uncle so-and-so, or this one said this, and thank God we love them. Thank God for mammals and Pawpaws and Uncle so-and-sos and aunties and all of those things. But sometimes, in all of the best efforts, uh, they were led by opinions, or they were led by feeling, or they were led by, well, this is how it was, or whatever the case might be. And it may not, to your surprise, it may not always line up scripturally with what you have heard or what you have seen or what has been said. And so, therefore, we have been looking at this premise in the fact that we as God's people, we will only be as spiritual as we are scriptural. Amen. And uh, you cannot be spiritual. You can act it. But you can't legitimately be spiritual unless the things of God's word have been revealed into your life and it is being applied, that you're applying it and operating in that and living that as it brings us into the will of God, into God's purposes and plans and our understanding and all of these things are affected, amen, by the scripture. Uh, does anybody here still believe that God's word is true? Amen. It's infallible. It is, Brother Eli, the final authority over everything. And uh, when we believe that, then, Brother Marvin, we're going to live it. We either believe all of it or we don't believe any of it. It says there's no in betweens. And uh, we now have just a smorgasbord type gospel. People picking different things and applying here and applying there. And kind of like, you know, if you're at a, a potluck and you get something on the plate. And you get a little taste. Mm, I don't like that very much. So you brush it over to the side. And tragically, that happens a lot as well with the word of God. There are some things that we preach or say. Uh, and not just uh, that, but it is Bible, and uh, we don't like it, and it hurts our feelings, and the truth offends us, and it convicts us, and we don't like those feelings. We don't want to make it right. We don't want God to deal with those areas, and so sometimes we brush that aside, say, well, it's not really necessary. I don't need that part, but church, we need all of All of his word, amen? We need all of it. And so, we're going to transition as we have been spending time preaching on the subject of salvation. What does that mean? What does that look like? And please understand on these things that we're going to be going through, there's a lot of territory that we could cover. In so much, we could preach it from here till Jesus comes, but there's certain things that just kind of find a stopping point and then we'll transition on, and so that's what we're doing. There's a lot more that we could say and talk about in regards to salvation, but we're going to be looking here on the doctrine, and let me even put it like this, the ordinance of baptism, water baptism, and uh, we're going to look at some things in regards to this. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter number 28, and uh, we're going to read verses 19 and 20. Very familiar passage of Scripture. While you're turning there, if you would stand with us tonight, in regards to the reading of the word of the Lord. Now some tonight you might say, well, I could have stayed home, took a nap, watched my favorite show, kicked my feet up because, Brother Jacob, I've been baptized. I know, I know about water baptism and all these things. However, uh, I think that as we get into this a little bit tonight, there's going to be some things, there's some ideologies, some opinions uh, that have been tied to baptism, uh, that we want to uh, we want to uh, just just completely uh, see through God's word uh, what God's word has to say on this subject versus uh, denominational opinions and things of that nature. Because there's a lot that you hear on this subject, and and uh, we uh, we're going to we're going to look into the truths here. On this subject. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. If you're there with me, would you say amen? amen? The Bible says, This is the words of Christ. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Somebody say, Teach. That's what we're doing here. Amen. We're doing some teaching. Teach all nations. We're teaching them about Christ. And then it says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now I want you to notice that particular part. That's going to be very important as we go through this. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world amen. And so we're going to look here at this, and can we pray once more? Ask the Lord to open our hearts and challenge us tonight. Speak to us. Father, I thank you once again, each and every one. I pray tonight your anointing to rest upon hearts and ears here tonight. Always our prayer is let the Word of God, the truth of the word of God, penetrate our souls, let it be planted in the fertile ground of our hearts tonight, open our ears to hear, anoint my mind and lips, I pray, oh, that we might have uh, clarity and understanding, and Lord, that you are glorified in all things, we thank you for it, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen, you can be seated tonight, and again hear the subject of water baptism. And uh, Here this evening, I want you to understand from the very get-go that uh, I don't know if there are uh, some things that have been more divisive within the church uh, in regards to doctrine than the subject of salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism, communion, There are some of these things that uh, you got different people with different mindsets and different thoughts. And then there are all kinds of other branches and all kinds of other uh, uh, roads, if you will, that have been made and, and forged. And things that have been taught and preached and said as if it was the truth. And we have a lot of people in regards to the, sub, the subject of these things that are thoroughly confused. And uh, some uh, that as a result of what confusion does is that there are times that there's, there's a couple of things that happen when there is no clarity and when there is no truth on uh, the uh, subjects of this word of God in life itself. And let me explain what I'm saying is that when there is no truth, when there is no teaching, when there is no discipleship, when there is no uh, expounding upon the Word of God, then what happens is within the church on something such as water baptism, and we can apply it to other things as well, but sticking with the topic here tonight, is what happens is, is number one, something that somebody uh, does not understand, they often fear it. When you don't understand something, you fear it. And and so what happens is is that there are people uh, who will not go further or obey the commands of God's word or pursue certain things in Christ, their relationship with Christ, things that are laid out in the word of God. They won't pursue certain things because they are afraid of it. And the reason that they are afraid of it is often because they do not understand it. All of us are like this, and it doesn't, if it's not on scriptural or biblical things, then a lot of times it is on other things in our life. Somebody could come to you and make a proposal for you to do something or uh, to take part in something or whatever the case might be, and uh, you would back off. You would shy away from it. You would say, I'm not going to go through with it. And it could be something that is a very good opportunity, it could be something that would actually be of a benefit to you, but because you do not understand it, you fear it, so you stay away from it. As a matter of fact, uh, more times than not, things that people do not understand and the things that they fear, how many in here, well, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand in regards to this, but I'm just going to ask this question. There are some, if not you, there are people that you know that as a result of fear, Of what a doctor might say They will not have something checked out And therefore, it progressed into something worse. And as a result, lead to some sometimes catastrophic situations. There was a lady that I had met before. And when I met her, she had uh, no arms. Her arms were gone at her elbows. And her legs had been amputated at her knees. She had prosthetic limbs. She had two prosthetic arms, two prosthetic legs. And I was talking with the family. And after meeting her and seeing her at a gathering And uh, so I was uh, just out of curiosity I'd asked one of the family members who knew of the situation And I said, what exactly happened? Was there an accident? Was she born without her limbs? I I didn't know exactly what was going on They said, no, said she had her limbs She had a, a very normal life all the way up to a certain age But said that she had gotten an infection in her tooth she got an infection in her tooth. And they said, and it was so, it got so bad, but she would not go to the dentist. Now, there's somebody sitting in here tonight, and you're thinking, mm-hmm, amen. I know. But she would not go to the dentist. And as a result, the infection spread from her tooth and it entered into her bloodstream. And as a result, it affected her limbs, and they had to amputate her limbs. And so because of fear for that dentist to work on the tooth, it was the tooth that was the root of the problem that affected the fact that her life would forever be changed. And so this is an example of the fact that there are times that because of fear we will not do things that are required or necessary or whatever the case might be. And if we can get past that, get some understanding, understand some things, learn some things, and become more familiar with it, then we are able to reap the blessing and the benefits of what is before us. Hence. When when we look here at the Word of God. I have talked with people before in the pastorate, in ministry, and for various reasons they uh, did not uh, do, uh, did not participate, or or uh, uh, did not participate in water baptism. Uh, some for various things and various reasons. I have heard some that would that were just deathly afraid of water. And uh, would talk about that. And we can talk about those things uh, a little bit later. But uh, others were, were, uh, I had one lady one time asking about baptism. And she said, but pastor, she said, I've heard so many things about baptism. She said, I've been so confused over it all. She said, I don't want to do it wrong. And she said, and then God punished me. And I miss heaven because I wasn't baptized right. Or baptized in the right place. Or baptized, And she was going down the list and she said, therefore, I just haven't done anything. And what had happened was, Brother Gary, as she was in the point, she had listened to a myriad of people and a plethora of opinions. But what she had not done is she did not go to God's word and began to seek out truth for herself and so it had left her in a place where she was just she was just completely despondent about the situation and had just pretty much dismissed the idea and so it was a matter of just going through and actually just breaking down showing her scriptures talking about it and it wasn't very long all oh, that That makes sense. I understand that and able to move forward. But here what I'm saying is is that that we often fear the things that we do not understand. Therefore, we need solid and sound teaching on such things. Teaching on water baptism is a subject that is varied and it is divisive. You can you could go to 10 different churches and you could hear 10 different opinions. You could hear all kinds of thoughts and, and uh, ideas in regards to what baptism is, water baptism is, and what it means and what it signifies in the life of a believer. You will find that there are many different positions on this subject. And let me say is here at Victory Temple, we have had several baptisms uh, just in the course of the last three years. And uh, one of the things that we always do is those that are getting baptized, we sit down, we have discussion, we talk about what baptism is and what baptism is not. And we do that because I don't want it to be that within the church family that when we are at a time, a sacred time, uh, where folks are being baptized, that sitting in the audience we have a group of people That there are all kinds of diversified thoughts and opinions about what is taking place. We need to know. We need to be aware. We need to be on the same page. And we need to understand this. And this is in regards to water baptism. Uh, 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 Ironically enough, this is a subject where as a pastor I have been asked a multitude of questions in regards to this subject. And not only by new converts, but those that have been seasoned. Those that have been in the church a long time. And so again, this is why we look at these things. And uh, like I said, it is something that can be divisive. It is something that can be misleading. Often I want you to understand that baptism has been looked at as a right to salvation as a means to salvation or to make heaven they have been associated or they associate water baptism to someone for those things as a result some believe that water baptism is a preventative measure a a covering if you will that will keep them from hell it'll keep them from sin let me share with you I pulled this directly off of uh, a, a Catholic website uh, and uh, this comes out of the Catholic uh, catechism uh, in regards to baptism most specifically infant baptism and uh, let me and we'll deal with some of that in a, in a little A while later, but let me just tell you their stance in regards of why they believe in baptizing an infant. Number one, they believe that baptism in the Catholic church is necessary for salvation. You have to do it to be saved. You have to be baptized a Catholic in order to be saved. This is their teaching. I pulled it from their website. They also believe that the water baptism, most especially of an infant, it confirms the fact that they become then a child of God. Third, they also believe that water baptism, it removes what is called original sin from their soul. And that term original sin, it is in reference to us being born with a sin nature. And so here's what happens. And I say this respectively. I'm not here to beat up on uh, particular denominations. Again, this is something, I've not orchestrated this. I pulled it straight from their website. But I have talked with folks of a certain mindset that they believe that water baptism, it is something that must be done, again, along these three points. They actually had six points on there, but these three I pulled out and and speaking on them most specifically. Because there is, again, the ideology and the fact that water baptism is something that brings about salvation. Let me say tonight, and let's make something abundantly clear, and I have said this. You've heard me say it while we've been standing in the tank I've said it to every person that we've ever baptized We always say this But let me, let me reiterate this to the entire church There is nothing magical about that water If there's anything, it's Beaumont tap water And who knows what's floating around in it we, It might be magical But not as magical for, for the things that you think, right? Right? Okay. It comes straight from the city source. There's nothing magical about the water. And so I have told people that baptism, the water does not wash your sins away. Now I understand and you understand to a certain degree. I've heard songs and there's been lyrics that have been written about going to the river. And that has been associated with going to be baptized and talking about salvation. Now I'm not saying that those songs were trying. To say that water saved them But I will say this Is that there are some that do believe That the water baptism Is necessary for salvation Let's be clear is that is not the case What is necessary for salvation? We've just been preaching on it for four weeks It is nothing but the blood of Jesus Amen What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole? Man, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you want to talk about something that's got power. If you want to use a word magical. If you want to use a word supernatural. I can tell you God said through the word. He said I would take his blood and wash it over those crimson that crimson will wash over our black hearts and make us whiter than snow oh I believe it was old brother G.E. Patterson who said one time I don't know how a brown cow can eat green grass and produce white milk he said but I can tell you it works in the same way that God can take a black heart wash it with this red blood and make me whiter than snow I'll tell you tonight for There is only one way to be saved And you must be born again And it comes through the blood of Jesus Let any other church say what they will Let anybody else preach what they want Because they will say it convincingly Some of them say it with venom dripping out of their mouth. Some of them will condemn you to hell if you're not baptized in their church. By their preacher and their tank and the way that they do it. But I will tell you this. No man will see heaven without the blood of the Lamb. Amen. You will not do it. Water baptism does not save you. It does not save you. It does not take away original sin. It doesn't do those things. It is not, there, there is nothing that that water can do. Amen. And so I want you to understand tonight, first and foremost, is that water baptism, it does not bring about salvation. Now let me say something here, that it is taught here, necessary for salvation, so let me give you a little bit because there are some where there is sometimes a divisive thought in regards to when somebody is saved, should they be baptized? And if, if they are not baptized, does that prevent them from making heaven their home? Well, let me just tell you this first and foremost. Let's go back to the fact. What washes away our sin? The blood of Jesus. What qualifies us to be born again? Children of the king and to make heaven our home. The blood of Jesus. Now let me say this. We see example in scripture. We've talked about and it is an example to point to this very divisive situation. And I say this because I have seen people who have been born again. But maybe they had received Christ on their deathbed and they did not have opportunity to be baptized and i have seen somebody and and uh, just just full of nonsense who would come in there and you know a family be rejoicing over the fact that they were born again and the first thing that somebody would have to say is well did they get baptized Well, and they would start the whole thing. And that is such nonsense. It's ludicrous. Now, let me say this. It is not necessity for heaven. We see that by way of the thief on the cross. He never had church membership. He never was baptized in water. None of these things. But Christ said to him, he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. We have prayed with folks just in the example I've given you on their deathbed. I do remember one gentleman as to where when he accepted Christ, On his deathbed I'm talking brother Chad Hours before he died He said can we fill up the bathtub We filled up the bathtub Brother Torbert we picked him up Carried him in there Set him in that bathtub He wanted to be baptized With everything in him He wanted to do that And, And so we accommodated We did that But there's several There's many people Who have stepped into eternity And never had opportunity to do so So again Let's be very clear on the facts Is that it does not qualify or disqualify somebody from eternity in heaven. It doesn't. Now, since we have that part settled, let me say this. What do we do? What should I do if I am a believer and I have opportunity to be baptized? You should get baptized. Okay? If you have opportunity to be baptized, you should be baptized. Well, Brother Jacob, but now you said it's not necessity. It's not necessity for salvation. Okay? But what we do is, when we look at this, I want you to understand, is that this is a command of Christ. Okay? This is what we call, when we look at the Word of God, it is considered an ordinance. Okay, and we say that because I want you to understand is that in Matthew 28 and 19, when we look at our walk with God, we understand when we was preaching about all have sinned, we understand that sin is a direct result to disobedience. Sin, we can talk about all the things that are sinful. We can talk about actions and attitudes and all the different things and practices of humanity and all the things that we qualify as sin but sin at the root of it all it is disobedience it is rebellion against God okay and so when we look at this i want you to understand that when we look at the commands of Christ when we take a look at what is the op- opposite of disobedience it is obedience to his commands Christ had said or the word of God tells us that that they would we would they would know that we are his because why we keep his Commandments. We keep His commandments. And so I want you to understand that an ordinance, by definition, it is a thing that is commanded or ordained. A commandment given by Christ for believers to follow. And so therefore, if it is within the realm of opportunity, if you have the power to do so and to be a part of a baptism, then yes, be baptized. Take that opportunity because we're going to look at some of the things of what baptism is and what that represents. I want you to understand when we look at Matthew 28, we find Jesus said this, go, teach, baptize. Go teach and baptize. Now I want you to understand that in the word of God when we look at God's word there would be other pastors other denominations other ones that this is where things get real divisive. How do you baptize? Do you baptize in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost? Do you baptize in Jesus name only? Do you do it like this and do you do it like this? And for some it is not, it is not an issue of Godhead but it is an issue of church There are some churches that will teach you and tell you if you're not baptized in their church, in their denomination, then you have missed it. Then it's all for naught. And so I want you to understand a couple of things because we're going to look at some of, there are some distinctives in Scripture in regards to water baptism because we find that the Word of God talks about John's baptism. And then we're also going to be looking at What is being said or what is it done by being baptized in Jesus' name? So we're going to look at some of these things. And so first let's look at this. We find again, let me just reiterate here, the command. Go, that means to go, to preach, to teach, and baptize them. Now listen to what Christ said. Baptizing them how? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right? the Godhead. We find that Christ, when he is baptized by John in the Jordan River, we see the Trinity at work. Christ the Son, there being baptized. When He comes up out of the water, and we'll be reading some of this, what happens? The Bible says, Brother Tibbetts, the heavens were open, and there was a voice from heaven. It was the voice of the Father. What did He say? He said, Behold, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Then what happened? The Bible says that a dove came and lit or landed upon him. It was the symbolism of the Holy Ghost. The Gospels tell us, Brother Marvin, that from that point, uh, being full of the Holy Ghost, without measure, and then by being led by the Spirit of God, Christ went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And so I want you to understand here is that in that moment of baptism, you remember that Christ told John. John argued with Jesus. I say argued. It was more of a statement because John is there baptizing those in the Jordan. He takes a look and here comes Christ. What does John say? I believe that John had the same feeling then that he had when he was in the womb of his mother Elizabeth. What do you mean? The Bible says that Elizabeth at six months carrying John the Baptist her cousin Mary who is carrying Christ walks into the room and Elizabeth said the babe leaped inside of her and John was filled with the Holy Ghost because even in the womb he recognized when Christ was in the room when the Messiah was there and then we find that Mary began to prophesy under the power of the Holy Ghost and Elizabeth began to prophesy under the power of the Holy Ghost there was a supernatural connection and at that same moment Brother Gary I believe the same feeling swept over John as he looks up and here comes that Nazarene walking and you listen to what John said John said behold the Lamb of God the one that takes away the sins of the world hallelujah John said I can't Even worthy to unloose the latchet on his shoe. He said I baptize you in water. But there's coming one with an even greater baptism. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And with fire. In that moment Christ had said. It is necessary that I am baptized of you. This must happen for all things to be fulfilled. Some would say, why in the world would the Son of God have to be baptized? Why would this need to take place? For exactly the reason of what Christ is saying here. These things need to be fulfilled. I want you to understand, John, he knows, it resonates in his spirit. He says and declares, behold, the Lamb of God. John was the forerunner of Christ. He was preparing a way for Christ to come. Much like a farmer will go out and before, listen, uh, before you go, and, and my, my mom and stepdad right now, they have a garden, and they, it is a beautiful garden. They're growing everything right now. When I went to Oget Ashland from Missouri, spent a few days there visiting, and it was funny because every evening when we go out, the weather was nice, and we'd have our lawn chairs and stuff, and we'd just, Brother Wade, we'd sit around that garden watch the garden grow. We'd sit there and look and my stepdad, he'd turn the water hose on and he'd, you know, he'd make sure everything, he'd pick and leaves and he'd go out there and hoe a little bit and get, get the uh, weeds and stuff up and all those kinds of things. But I mean, they've got peppers and ochre and squash and watermelon and they've got uh, corn and they, I mean, they just, oh, uh, they got all kinds of broccoli, cabbage, lettuce, all kinds of stuff. It's a beautiful garden. But here's what they did not do. They did not go out there and buy all of those seeds and just say, Well, we'll just use this spot right over here and go out there and start throwing seed on the ground. They didn't do that. So what they did is, is, is my stepfather, he began to till that ground. He broke up that ground and tilled it and tilled it. The word of God uses the terminology breaking up the fallow ground. Right? The hard places of the heart, of the mind, breaking it up. John the Baptist came. So when we talk about John's baptism, I want you to understand is that at the time that John is baptizing people in, in, the, in the places where he would baptize, and in particular, we know he was baptizing in the Jordan River. You have to understand is that salvation was not known at that time. Okay? Christ had not yet died for our sins. He was there on earth. He was going to die for our sins, but he had not died. So, Brother Eli, what was happening is there was still sacrifices going on in the temple. There was still the blood being shed of bulls and goats and pigeons and all of these different types of things. But John's baptism, and we're going to pull this out here of Scripture, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was when they were coming, they were convicted of their sin. John was like a wild man out there in the wilderness. I mean, he was wearing camel skin. On him, and he was eating locusts and wild honey, and he was out there preaching. Brother Tobin, I mean, he was a preacher's preacher. He'd look at him and say, Oh, you generation of vipers. I mean, he'd just given them the what for, preaching against their sin. And what was happening is, is it was pricking the hearts of the people. And so when they would be remorseful and repentive of their sins, then they would, he would baptize them. It was a sign that they were sorry, that they were repentive. And so John is doing this, Brother Coleman, because why? What is he doing? He's tilling the dirt. He is getting it all tilled up. The hardened hearts of men and preparing the hearts of the people for Christ who would come. When he would declare, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why John said, He's greater than I. I can't do what He's going to do. Amen. You still awake tonight? Okay. I know we not this ain't shouted down material, but this is, it's good. And so what happens here, listen, Mark 1, 4 through 5. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. Mark 1, 4 through 5. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Luke 3 and 3 says, And he came into all the country about Jordan, meaning the Jordan River, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Their hearts were getting to a place where that fallow ground was broken up, repentance was at the door, confession, recognizing that sin nature, what was he doing? He was getting hearts ready to receive of the word of life, which was Christ Jesus. So, when we look at this, I want you to understand that in scripture, when you see this, there is a distinct difference in John's baptism and then Christ's command for baptism after he had ascended to the Father. As he was ascending into heaven. Because he was now, Brother Hemphill, giving the disciples the descriptive of this is what you're going to do. Why? Why is it going to be done this way? Why go? Why teach? Why baptize? Because now it's not just repentance of sin. But it's deliverance of sin. Because Christ was the sacrifice once and for all. And so now, therefore... We see as there is that distinctive where we have John's baptism was that of repentance. Christ and his instruction to baptism was after salvation was experienced. We find in John, in John chapter 1, 26 and 27... And then we're going to read verses 29 through 34. And then we're going to come to a close. John answered them saying. I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you. Whom you know not. He it is. Who coming after me is preferred before me. Whose shoes latch it. I'm not worthy to unloose. The next day John seeth coming unto him. And saith behold the Lamb of God. Which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I speak said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon on whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him the same as he which baptizeth with the holy ghost and i saw and bear record that this is the son of god again this is why christ This is one of the reasons why he went to be baptized. Because here it was foretold. John said, the same one who sent me to preach. Who was that? That was God. It was the leading of God's voice that had led John. And the call on his life. The infilling of the Spirit. The leadership of the Holy Ghost. To go and to preach. And to preach repentance. And to baptize these for the the remission of sins. And we find that John said, he said, he came before me, Why? Speaking of the fact he's always been. He is eternal. And said that I would know him as the spirit would descend upon him and remain upon him. And so he is saying this is he. So Christ first is baptized to solidify as a testimony to all that were there. That he indeed was the son of God. Amen. And so I, we're going to end at that point, but I want you to understand tonight, I want you to understand tonight, is that when we look at these things, and maybe when there's discussion or when there's thought, should I or shouldn't I? Should I be baptized? Is it optional? Is it not? Again, let me say, and let me be very clear, we know that it is not necessary for salvation, right? It is not necessary to make heaven however when we have opportunity when we have the opportunity to be baptized should I be baptized the answer is yes yes Christ gave us this command and as a command it is an ordinance of scripture it is something to be followed and so we do so to follow his example. When we move forward, we're going to be looking at what is symbolized through baptism. And uh, we're going to be looking at a couple other particulars in this. But I've, I want you to understand tonight is that because there are some, and I've heard this debate, and I've heard it said, well, uh, baptism isn't necessary because why, why, and I've heard people say, why would Christ need to be baptized? If he's the Son of God, why does he have to be baptized? But again, he was baptized for the example, for all things to be fulfilled. It confirmed the fact that he indeed was a son of God. Those that were round about, when John said, this is him, this is the one. When those that were there that day on the Jordan, they saw that supernatural manifestation, heard the voice of heaven, saw that dove descend upon him. and, And the confirmation that was there, it was that thing. I want you to notice, it was after that moment. It was after that moment, Brother Eli, when the public ministry of Christ began. Okay? It was after that moment when the public ministry of Christ began. Now, we're not going to go down this rabbit trail. Some would say, well, did he perform miracles or do anything before that point in time? Honestly, we don't know. We don't know because scripture doesn't record it. But it does record that after the fact, after being baptized, after the spirit symbolically rests upon him. That he is then led by the spirit to go into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, after the devil flees from him. Actually the word of God says that he leaves him alone for a certain amount of time. But then it is from them that Christ goes and begins to preach and to teach, and his ministry becomes very public. And so I want you to understand, these things were confirmations. So if you ever wondered why, why did Christ, why was he baptized? These were the reasons why. This is why Christ said this must be fulfilled. It was confirmation of the fact, one of the confirmations, that he was indeed the Son of God. Amen. Are you thankful tonight? Are you thankful tonight that Christ came to save? Are you glad tonight? Amen. Are you still thankful for the blood of Jesus? I know I am. And I'm so thankful tonight. I'm thankful for the opportunity. Baptism is a wonderful, a very meaningful, and an important moment in the life of a believer. And uh, we don't treat it lightly. We don't skate around. That's why, that's why, you know, one of the reasons we'll baptize someone at any point in time that they ask but one of the reasons why we make it a special day when we do our celebration Sunday, it's just a, it's a very important time, and we want it to be something that the whole church family gets to be a part of and experience with those. And uh, anyway, it's just it's something that stays with you. And we're going to be looking at some other things. But I appreciate you tonight. And uh, is it okay? Can we just keep talking about the truth of God's word? Is that all right? Can we stand tonight all over this house? Can we stand tonight? And I'm just going to ask you tonight, can we just lift our hands to heaven? And can we right now, would you just thank Him that He made a way so that we could be saved? Would you thank Him tonight that He's made a way, that He confirmed through the act of obedience of baptism, oh, that He had confirmed the fact that He indeed was the Son of God? Can we right now, won't you just thank Him that He has washed our sins away? Father, we give You praise and we give You glory tonight. I thank You for every heart. I thank You for every life. Lord, I thank You that the blood of Jesus Saves, oh, that your precious blood washes our sin, it sanctifies, it redeems, it Lord I'm thankful tonight that you had come so that we might have life and Lord we know tonight salvation only comes through you and by you and by your precious blood and Lord I pray let our hearts be tender let our minds be open as we learn more of your word and as we long to be more like you as we want to follow the commands of the word of God. Thank you for revealing yourself in this earth thank you Lord. Oh as you come. You come so that we might have life. You came and paid the price so that we might live, that our sins would be forgiven. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts. I pray let us remain sensitive and tender to your spirit. Expose your word. Reveal to us your truths. Help us that we walk in the light of your word. And Father, we're quick to give you thanks and praise. I pray keep your hand upon each and every one. Keep us as we go our separate ways. I pray, Lord, in the days ahead, Lord, those that are in different places and capacities, help us to be witnesses and examples of your love. Lord, let us be the church outside of the church. Lord, use us for your glory. Anoint us and us. I pray for your work. Oh, Lord, helping us to realize that the church is more than within sight of these walls and on a Sunday or a Wednesday. But, Lord, I pray, challenge hearts here tonight amongst families and co-workers and those we are around that we are examples and testimonies of the love of God the goodness of God and we thank you for it and we do ask all these things in Jesus name and the church that loves him would say amen and amen God bless you thank you for being in the house of the Lord shake a hand hug a neck tonight